Hello, everyone. Uh, If you keep your Bibles open to uh, Luke 12, I'm going to pray as we hear from God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, your words are full of wisdom, beauty and life. So help us to receive your truth this day with open ears and hearts ready to obey. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This morning, uh, I went to the Sydney Morning Herald website and I just took a bit of a glance uh, over the front page. And as I gazed over it and looked at the tone of the articles, everything, with one exception, the Olympics, was bad news. It was all bad news. The headlines were largely negative. Uh, There were key words of economic downturn, anger, death, why politics has gone bad. To cap it off, I saw an article telling me that the best place to ride out our global societal collapse uh, would be New Zealand. It appears that no news is good news. But the forecast of gloom seems to suggest that I had not much reason uh, to be optimistic, but I needed to worry. It seems fair in, in these current times to worry about the world and what it might mean for us and for those we know and care for. And so when you hear Jesus' words, they might come like a shock to the system. He's so positive. Do not be anxious about your life. But perhaps that is all you feel like doing, particularly if you feel like your future may not be so bright. Is Jesus just a happy-go-lucky guy whose expectations are wildly unrealistic? Why is it that we need to not worry? And to trust God. Well, last week we heard the parable of the rich fool, the man who was greedy and made life all about the excess of his material wealth. Nothing was ever enough. Here Jesus addresses the opposite fear that we won't have enough. Jesus loves his disciples and loves us as he seeks to relieve us from unnecessary fear. It's amazing how relevant Jesus' words are today, even in Sydney. Now, by most metrics, we are better off than most people have been throughout human history. Uh, Basic dental care puts us well ahead of most people. Yet, how many of us could say that we don't, at some point, worry about the future? The anxiety and insecurity doesn't go away. Uh, No matter how much you have, the more you get, the more you fear to lose. Now, we're probably not fearing for our everyday survival. The main worries and stresses that we have are not so much matters of life and death, but probably have to do with feeling secure, feeling stable, having the standard of living that we would desire. In a culture where success and failure is measured by material gain or the lifestyles that material gain can provide, we might fear whether we, if we somehow don't achieve those things, that we've blown it all, we've wasted it all. And so we might worry about tomorrow in a number of ways. Some of us may have concerns right now about our job security, given the economic effects of the pandemic and the lockdown. You might be worried, will I have enough to put a deposit on a house before prices are too high? Will I be able to afford rent in the area that I want to live? Or am I going to have to live in an area uh, that is further away and less desirable? Will I have have enough money 
in my super account to retire comfortably? Will I be able to afford to give my kids, my grandkids, the start they need to adulthood? They're not strictly matters of life and death, but I do think we worry about uh, being deemed a failure or not fulfilling uh, our potential, and those worries come. And so while the rich fool forgot about the God who gave him all things, Jesus turns our attention to God as the very reason we don't have to worry. The idea of security and where our treasure lies ties these passages together because we need to see our possessions in light of God and his kingdom. And just as life is more important than the abundance of possessions, life is even more important than our basic physical needs, whether water, food or shelter. It's a remarkable thing for Jesus to say this to his disciples, most of whom were drawn from the poorest segments of society. Uh, Not having enough food or water uh, could be a real possibility if war came or a bad harvest. But Jesus begins with a key statement that points us to the solution for our worry. Verse 22. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Just as life is more than the abundance of possessions, our life is more than the basic needs that sustain it. Despite what some evolutionary biologists might say, our existence is more than just about survival or propagating our genes to ensure humanity continues. There is a bigger purpose. And Jesus wants us to not be distracted from that to not be distracted from God and eternal things. And so he gives us a number of reasons to trust that God will provide for our basic needs. The first reason we see in this passage is that God cares for his creation. Even within this bodily existence, we have good reason to to trust that God will give us our daily bread. And he makes two observations from nature. First, we have the ravens. Uh, Ravens, they're birds that aren't that lovely and they were considered unclean by Jews. But God cares and provides for them. Uh, Even for these birds that don't farm, they don't plan things out. They just live hand to mouth or talon to beak. You are more valuable to God than a bird, Jesus says. So do not worry, trust him. Or as we go to the flowers in verses 26 to 27, we have these plants And lilies, they just exist, don't they? They soak up the sun's rays and the water and the soil's nutrients and they grow. They don't have to work. And yet the wildflowers produce these stunning arrays of flowers that humans could only dream of replicating. Artificial flowers, uh, they don't do the trick. Weddings still use real flowers because their beauty, their splendor is unmatched. And yet for all this glory that we find in the flower, they fade. They become gross in a very short time. Their life is fleeting. And yet God endows these plants with this glory. And so, Jesus says, you are more valuable than a plant. If he clothes even the grass, he will give give you what you need. So don't worry, trust him. When we look at nature, we receive uh, an unequivocal declaration that God cares for the world he spoke into existence. From the giant whales uh, to the mosquitoes that everyone so loves, 
Their life is sustained and upheld by their creator. It's not just observations about nature that Jesus is making, but it's almost a different lens by which we view reality to see the providential hand of God at work. Do you see the world this way with God's hand at work? Perhaps we can be hesitant to be generous at times because we don't trust in God's provision for us in the future. You might say, well, I can't give anything away right now. I got a good tax return or I just got a bonus, but I need to keep it because I need to keep it for a, say, uh, for a rainy day. Now, this might be true. Or you may need it, but it's also very easy to make excuses where we decide what the minimum is that we need. And Jesus is not saying we can just sit on our backsides and wait for these things to pop out of thin air. Uh, nor is he saying that we shouldn't work. Even those ravens have got to search. But we can know that all we receive comes from the gracious hand of our creator. Secondly, we're told that worry is useless. Uh, it's a very practical point in some ways. If we pick up in verse 25, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Just as me worrying about the fact that I'm not quite six foot isn't going to suddenly add another couple of inches to my height. So worrying about material things isn't actually going to help. It's not going to save us. It's not going to add a millisecond to our lives. And if the worry itself cannot add a single hour to your life, if that fear produces nothing good, uh, if anything, stress probably takes years away, then why do it? It's important to remember who is really in control, which leads us back to God, the one who gives us our years, who can take and give life away. And since we are limited to what we can control, let's trust the one who is sovereign. Again, Jesus is not saying that you should not budget or plan for the future or care for your family. He teaches us to pray and ask for our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. Yet the worry is not helpful. At this point, we might object. Is it not worrying about these things that might lead us to act? And Jesus says, in some ways, yes, worry can be a very powerful motivator. We see that. But it is dangerously distracting. One chilly morning, uh, I got into my car and my air conditioner um, was playing up. And I was there um, driving, kind of fiddling with the settings, trying to get it to work. And I was so worried about whether uh, I was uh, warm enough that I forgot about my greatest, uh, greatest safety. And I realized, uh, and thankfully, uh, I, I was able to break in time that I'd almost hit a parked car. See, Jesus encourages us to pull our attention from the small things to see what is important. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things and your father knows that you need him. When Jesus says, set your heart on these things, what he means uh, is that we should not let material things be in the driving seat. That is a consequence um, of living in a world where you don't think God is in control or you think God isn't there. Because it's up to you to guarantee your future or your family's future. And material things so then easily become that goal or that obsession. We see this when there is any kind of sense of disaster, people rush out and panic by. 
People throw themselves into their work at the expense of all else. They can't be generous because why? We might need it later. Material things, our basic needs become our most fundamental need, the measure of success and security. They are everything. And it's easy for us to get caught up in these worries and these obsessions. And for God and his will for us to drift into the background. But just like I had more pressing issues than whether I was hot or cold in my car, namely whether I was on the road, Jesus has bigger uh, and more important things at stake. See, fearing for our necessities may be the motivator for people to work, to plan, um, but it, it favours the urgent and the immediate, but blocks out what is important and ultimate. It blinds people. So that's why Jesus says, but seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. The danger with being anxious about material things is that we miss what matters, the kingdom. That's the important thing. That's the prize. Our fundamental need is not a physical one, but a spiritual one, a relational one. What we truly need is to be made right with our creator and to be in his presence. That is the goal of life, to enter the kingdom where God is. And so Jesus says, knowing all this, we need to have a different attitude and trust God's provision for us in our life. While we all need food and all people need water, we as believers can have a different approach and attitude, can't we? All the same while, all the same time as we're working uh, the same jobs as those who aren't Christians, we can see the difference in what matters most and where people's trust and treasure is. See, Christians can have confidence that we are not alone in this life, but that God graciously provides. And whether our life goals are not fulfilled, or whether or not we are wealthy, or whether or not we don't end up having enough to give our child a housing deposit, that is not God's measure of success and failure. Our attention, our hearts need to be elsewhere. It must be on the kingdom. And before we turn to the kingdom, uh, we should look at the elephant in the room. That people then and people today do not always have their needs met. And sometimes they die because of it. It's a tragedy. And this happens to Christians as well as non-Christians. Is Jesus wrong to say the Father will provide? Well, no, but it's important to understand what Jesus is really saying here. Jesus is addressing the obsession that comes from fear. Uh, it's not a blanket promise for material gain. It's not like faith equals, uh, will equal the needs that we need every day because God gives the basic needs to people who don't trust in him. They don't acknowledge it, but he gives it to them. However, we can trust that, uh, that God provides for us as a general rule. The proof is that we are here right now. You're watching right now, which means that God has sustained you so far with what you need. And equally true is that at some point, God will stop sustaining you in your earthly life. Whether one day from now or 80 years from now, your earthly bodies will give way and you will return home because God is calling you home. Finally, God has provided the greater need for us. Though we live in a fallen world, where death and poverty reign, or seem to reign, Christians have the thing that truly matters. And that's why we come to the ultimate reason why we should not worry, because we can trust our Father who has given us the kingdom. Verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. 
Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice the way that Jesus speaks about God. He addresses him as the father who loves us like a shepherd loves his flock. It is a tender love. We can trust God because we have a relationship with him. Uh, Just as I could trust my parents to give me what I needed. I didn't have to worry um, whether there was going to be dinner on the table for me um, at night. Well, we can trust the true ultimate parent, God, the bigger things. Verse 32. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is the prize and God freely and delights in giving it to us. Uh, Seeking is not a matter of earning it, but receiving it by his grace. This is God's future kingdom where his rule and blessing extend to those who enter. And that's only possible because Jesus is the king and he sheds his precious blood for us on the cross so we can have entry into this kingdom. And we learn that here our need, but also what we are given in this treasure is infinitely more important and valuable than anything else. It's a privilege. As I heard about Amazon billionaire Jeff Bezos and how he got to go to space recently, I thought that's a, that's a pretty awesome privilege. What a cool thing it would be to have enough money just to decide you want to you go to space. But really, the privilege that we have as Christians is far greater we realize how valuable it is. Because not only is it wonderful, it is absolutely secure. Things can be lost and destroyed and stolen, but to be a citizen of the kingdom is to have a guaranteed future. If you think of all the kings and millionaires who've lost their fortunes, whether it was their fault or unhappy circumstances, everything material is temporary, but the kingdom, eternal things are not. And so our hearts must be fixed upon Jesus and on eternity. And therefore, we have to treat everything differently, our our lives, our bodies, and our possessions and our finances because of this. Our eyes should be open to what is valuable and what is expendable, which is why I think Jesus compels his disciples to give generously. So I think there is an obligation for Christians to think about how we can give to those who are materially poor. I mean, it's not an accident that before the 19th century, most churches had a literal box box called the the poor box or the arms box. And here people would give and they were the main source of funds for poor relief. Now, these days we have everything organized um, so that governments and charities, many of which are Christian organizations, they take on most of the load of looking after people's uh, needs. So while I think, um, so I think it is, Uh, worthwhile thinking, how can I be generous to those in need? Those known to me immediately, or how can I support uh, or volunteer for a charity like Anglecare, maybe um, helping out with the community pantries one such way? And know that this all doesn't come at the expense of gospel ministry, because Jesus here is pointing his disciples towards the greatest thing of all, the greatest need, the kingdom. But being generous with our possessions, is one way that we show this world is not what we are living for. And it's a way that God actually continues to provide for those in his world. Verse 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question is, where is your treasure? 
This has got to be a challenge for us as those who live in one of the most materially blessed nations in human history. We need to ask, where is the treasure that we put our hearts? Are we afraid? Are we worried? It might be worth sitting down and asking yourself, what is it that I fear and why do I fear it? Is it a matter of security? Is it a matter of fulfillment? Is it a matter of success? Are you afraid to be generous because you fear uh, what you might risk? Do you need to perhaps lower your expectation of what a need is? Sometimes it's really just something uh, that we want. I mean, does it really matter on the final day whether you've been renting uh, as opposed to living in your own home? It's important to ask ourselves these questions of how we think about our wealth and our material possessions. And so, despite what might seem like Despite it might seem like bad news is all around us, Christians have every reason to be positive and not fearful. Jesus gives us good news. If we see that the kingdom is our treasure, we can become less enamored with the things of this life. These things that won't last and won't save us. Because God has given us that big thing that we can look forward to, the kingdom. We get to be with Jesus. And what that means now, if God has given us that big thing, Well, we can continually trust him to sustain us and to provide for us in the meantime until he calls us home. So I'm going to pray now uh, that God would help us uh, to see uh, from an, uh, an eternal perspective and to trust in him for our needs. Heavenly Father, we know that you made us for eternal purposes. We're sorry that too often our unbelief and our distrust clouds our minds and leads us to unnecessary worry. Thank you that you're a good God who not only supplies our daily bread, but salvation to eternal life in Jesus. Where we are tempted to be weak in faith, please strengthen us to see and know your love, to know your son who died for us and intercedes for us. And help us therefore to live with all that you've given us, trusting you, and seeking first and above all your kingdom. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.